A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everyone. My name is Jack Rico, and thank you for listening to episode 33 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. This is the show for those of you who love to live on the intersection of American and Latino pop culture. On this week's episode, we've dedicated it to New York City Spanish language radio. We interviewed the controversial Dominican radio star El Pacha and asked him about why he's such a lightning rod for controversy, the surprising reason he left Telemundo's Acceso Total, and his blunt and truthful opinions on Luis Jimenez's new radio show on Univision. Also, we chat with New York radio royalty Carolina Cadillo Skywalker. We discuss how she got her big break in radio, the creation of the Skywalker last name, criticisms of her Spanish, and her first encounter with radio fame. It's an interview not to be missed. That plus a review of Pirates of the Caribbean 5 and a recap of the top stories in U.S. Latino pop culture this week. In the following interview conducted in Spanish, I interview one of New York Radio's most notorious showmen, Frederic Martinez El Pacha. He is a larger-than-life personality who can be equally polarizing with celebrities and listeners alike. Take, for example, the war of words he had with Romeo Santos last year. Vengo de la nada para convertirme en el pachá. Nunca he difamado, nunca he insultado. Y si tú quieres, de un tribunal, de tú a tú, para yo decirte todo lo que tú me debes a mí. Porque lo único que he hecho es aportar a tu carrera cuando nadie te conocía y cuando nadie creía en ti. Ahí está mi respuesta. Frederick Martínez, el pachá intachable con dignidad y un comunicador de primera que lo único que ha hecho es luchar por ser alguien en la vida. Nevertheless, El Pacha continues to be a ratings magnet on his daily afternoon show on La Mega 97.9 FM. Whether it's the allure of his controversies or his undeniable charm, his listeners love to hate him and hate to love him. And it is in this contradiction that Pacha thrives in. Bueno, Pacha, eh, primero que todo, bienvenido al Highly Relevant Podcast. Eh, un abrazo, mi hermano. <ríe> Alegría poder compartir contigo. Ya rico. Te recuerdo con mucho cariño, respeto. Eh, ¿Qué decir? Feliz de poder compartir contigo, hermano. Hay que hay una admiración y un cariño muy especial. Bueno, igual, eh, nosotros nos juntamos nuevamente porque estaba el otro día, la semana pasada, en un show de Broadway que se llama Bandstand. Estaba a punto de verlo y estaba esperando a mi hermano y estaba como que mirando por la calle cuando te veo yo cruzar la calle andando ahí solito mirando tu teléfono yo dije 
este, voy, voy a joder con Pachap, eh, lo voy a acercar como si fuera un fanático loco. No, 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 cuando te acercaste y te asustaste. Y hasta aquí llegué, pobre de mí. Ay, padre santo, Jehová de los ejércitos. Y después cuando te vi ahí reaccioné. Pachá, ¿qué tan frecuente tienes fanáticos tratando de acosarte? Tú sabes que no. Hay veces que cuando camino por el Eta Mescue me encanta caminar. Eh, porque tengo el vehículo, lo dejo ahí en la 50, el hoyo octava. Me gusta, por lo menos, distraerme un poco y soltar el estrés que salir en esta ciudad. Yo pienso que no, hay veces personas, son muchos años de trabajo, ya 25 años, eh, se me acercan, me hablan de cuando merengue y más, que en esos tiempos no existía la tecnología que no existe ahora. Merengue y más es el show dominicano que tú hacías, ¿no? En Telemundo, lo hacía desde Santo Domingo. Yo me acuerdo. Santo Domingo invita, pero era una época ya rico que la gente lo esperaba para ver a me, eh, los merengueros, los bachateros que estaban en ese momento eh, captando mucho la atención. Y no había los famosos celulares en el internet y había que esperar los domingos para ver Santo Domingo invita y merendima. Y fue una etapa muy bonita desde el 93 hasta el 2003, duré ahí alrededor de 10, 11 años. Y realmente la gente me recuerda mucho porque fue una etapa donde la televisión... Eh, tenía mucha presencia y era fuera de ser. Ven acá, te hago una pregunta. ¿Cuál es el asunto con tu inglés? ¿Cuánto tiempo tienes ya viviendo en los Estados Unidos? En Estados Unidos tengo 15 años, en la etapa desde el 2003. Sí, 15 años formalmente. Pero ¿Y, y, yo, ¿y tu yo, inglés Miami, cómo está? Malísimo. Why? Eh, entiendo mucho, eh, he aprendido bastante, pero sigue malo. <laughs> If I talk to you in English, Pacha, do you understand what I'm saying? Andrean City, City, United States. Very good. I am asking the show the three and seven superstar celebrity. Qué interesante. Yo usualmente hago el show en inglés, pero es que obviamente yo te conozco por rato y sé que tu inglés está ahí. Malísimo. <laughs> Pero, pero, pero para machucho, que machucho. Público, sí, sí, sí. Bueno, vamos a comenzar, Pachá, con tus comienzos en la radio. ¿Cuándo llegaste a los Estados Unidos? ¿Cuándo llegaste aquí a Nueva York en particular? ¿Y cuál fue tu primer trabajo en la radio aquí en la ciudad, en la Gran Manzana? Bueno, mis inicios realmente fueron en República Dominicana, en Santiago. Apenas de 11 a la radio, a pasar los discos, a comprar el café al locutor. Pero realmente me formé en Radio Azul, luego Radio Nacional después Radio Reloj, Sistema 89, me voy a la capital a una oferta que me hacen para hacer el programa más exitoso que se ha hecho en mi país de seis horas, de 12 del mediodía a 6 de la tarde, ritmo del sábado, que en el 93, es que me ven Negro Santos y hacemos Merenima. Ya aquí específicamente llego eh, a Nueva York en el 2003, de la mano de Julio Vergara. Que me Julio Vergara, que era el encargado, el, el director de programación de La Mega. En ese entonces, en, ¿no? Sí, en esos tiempos era de la media, pero había llegado a Univisión Radio, que no era Univisión Radio, que lo habían vendido en esos días y se convierte en Univisión Radio. Julio estaba en la media, pero había pasado a, a en esos tiempos era Latino Mex. Latino Mex 105.9. Esa misma, había dicho Vidal Cedeño, ese muchacho que brinca, que habla rápido, que está con Negro Santo, que lo necesito. Pero en ese tiempo no, no se nos dio la la oportunidad porque no acordamos, pero después como a los seis meses eh, combinamos un evento de Chiri Film, 
que hice el libro de venía a Nueva York. Hice el jangueo con Jimmy Nieves y Junior Marrero, un programa muy exitoso de 3 a 7. ¿Y en qué este año fue ese? 2003. 2003. Yo me recuerdo de ese momento. Y ese era un show matutino. Te entrevistamos y, y tú participabas con nosotros ya. Recuerdo. Sí, hacía el, el reporte del tránsito y esa van y sí. jodíamos y cosas así. Ven acá, ¿y, sí, por qué, sí. ¿y por qué se acaba ese show? Bueno, este show viene una efervescencia del reggaetón y nos mandan para la mañana y no lo dejaban hablar, colocaban 10 12 discos por hora y ahí muere. Pero fue un show muy exitoso, tuvo unos grandes ratings, eh, nos fue muy bien. Ahí yo me muevo aguado y Jimmy decide irse, Junior, y yo me voy a Guado en la mañana, de 5 de la mañana a, a 9, Guado 280 informando, pero luego viene un director nuevo y pregunta que qué pasó con el que hacía en ese show, que tenía unos reyes en el tope, y me ponen los sábados, de 10 de la mañana a 4 de la tarde, el pachatazo, y con otra cosa, <risa> domingo, o el poco clásico. Entonces, llega un momento cuando estás en Radio Guado, creo que tienes tu propio show en Radio Guado, en, no sé si fue en las tardes o en las mañanas o lo que, es, o lo, o lo que fue, pero... Hiciste una intervención con Al Despertar, que es cuando tú y yo empezamos a, a tener nuestro propio ah, segmento bueno, de entretenimiento en la televisión. Así mismo es ya rico. En la mañana surge la idea de hacer el segmento de farándula de Reguado, porque yo estaba en la mañana con Ricardo Espinosa y, y Rafael Pujols, y estoy en la mañana de 5 de la mañana a, a, a 9, y de ahí es que surge la idea de hacer el segmento de de farándula que compartíamos todas las mañanas que la gente lo esperaba, porque era muy natural era muy chistoso y, y como que interactuábamos y bufiábamos tú y yo de una forma que a la gente le gustaba mucho Sí, el gufeo, el gufeo fue, fue tremendo yo creo que para un noticiero <ríe> yo creo que fue algo completamente casi una locura para mucha gente, pero esa es la cosa es que a la gente le gusta esas personalidades que me parecen a mí Pachá, no sé si de pronto de, de tu punto de vista como que falta ese esa viveza, esa, esa gran energía en, en los shows matutinos hoy, son muy serios hoy en día, ¿no? Sí, yo pienso que se rompió esquema. Yo, yo te diría que fue muy novedoso, que llamó mucho a la atención, Jack. Lo que a mí me parece es que, que la forma en que tú y yo eh, lo hacíamos era algo que llamaba la atención, pero que a la vez eh, rompía esquema. Y, y como que la gente lo fue gustando, los mismos directores... Y el público, y se fue quedando. Era como el recreo del noticiero. Exactamente. Era como, como ese respiro de tanta seriedad este, para entonces uno divertirse un poco. Yo siempre pensé eh, en esos momentos de Al Despertar del 2000 hasta el 2008. Me pareció a mí que en ese entonces, esa, esa década casi, del 2000 al 2008, eh, el show, el, el, al despertar, me pareció que, que funcionó más como un show de variedad, que tenía sí, noticias, sí. en vez de un noticiero sí. con segmentos ligeros. Excelente. Y la última media hora, cuando la parte artística, cuando te tocaba las entrevistas, eh, ya figura como Tito Nieve, ¿cómo decir? Eh, figura de renombre dentro de la música, el merengue, la salsa, el mismo grupo Aventura en sus inicios. Yo pienso que la forma en que tú lo hacías era muy particular, era muy tú. Recuerdo una ocasión que viene de visita a Nueva York y te vi en una casa transmitiendo durante todo el sí. día en vivo. Entonces, eh, fue algo diferente y eso no se hace. Y no me vengan con la culpa que no hay presupuesto, 
no me vengan con la iniciativa de que las cosas no, no, es que eso es creatividad. De acuerdo, yo tenía tantas ideas y yo lo que creo que ocurrió, yo me fui en el 2008, renuncio simplemente porque ya los recursos económicos ya no estaban ahí, los recursos eh, de, de personas para hacer estas ideas, para llevarlas a cabo, tampoco eh, estaban, estaban completamente ausentes. Entonces llegó un punto donde ya yo era solamente un meteorólogo y yo en verdad nunca quise ser eso. Yo quise ser como una personalidad de televisión y cuando ya yo vi que me iban a meter de lleno a meteorólogo, yo dije, no, no, ya, ya te, tengo 32 años, no quiero permanecer aquí para el resto de mi carrera uh, haciendo esto, yo creo que puedo hacer más, entonces me voy de ahí. Tú entraste en acceso total, donde nos reencontramos nuevamente. Sí, wow, wow, ya, esto no borra. Bueno, ahí se me, luego de esa etapa de guado, yo regreso los sábados a la FM y se convierte en la calle. Pero lunes a viernes reggaetón, pero los sábados de bachata, merengue y los domingos con los coco clásicos y cambia de nombre la emisora. Uh, ahí permanece no en la tarde con Gisela García, porque a Coco lo mueven para la tarde en la FM. Y termina mi contrato, la mega me contrata eh, hace un buen tiempo, estuvieron detrás de mí, gracias a Dios se dio, y surge la idea de Telemundo, de hacer buenos días en Nueva York a las 5 de la mañana y hacer acceso total. Ahí permanecimos como por un año y dos meses, eh, cambiar en unas condiciones, y al final nosotros no tenemos antena. Hoy estamos en un lado, mañana estamos en otro. Por ejemplo, ahí nos reencontramos tú y yo con un segmento que a la gente le gusta mucho, que es la parte de, del cine, y, y otra vez voy contigo ya rico, en la forma en que tú lo haces, eh, en las críticas de lo que son las películas, los estrenos, porque te da un toque muy personal y le da un toque muy ya rico y es como que lo hace muy jovial. Entonces cuando tú decides que fue una valentía tuya renunciar y decir no quiero eh, estar, eh, que me ubiquen en esta área, quiero hacer otras cosas, eso dice mucho de ti porque realmente muchos se encasillan y permanecen y se estancan y no lo hacen. De acuerdo, y yo creo que son estilos particulares de cada persona. Por eso es que cualquier periodista que está escuchando este podcast en este momento deberían de tener en cuenta lo siguiente, lo que acabo de decir de Pachá, que cada persona tiene su, propio, su, su propia estampilla, eh, su, su propia manera de ser, y eso es lo que tiene que relucir. Hay mucha gente que son diferentes fuera de cámara, y hay otras personas que son completamente distintas cuando la cámara prende. Y yo creo que uno tiene que siempre emular, eh, tratar de mantener quién es el fuera de cámara en cámara. El, el caso tuyo, Pachá, muy interesante. Cuando tú estabas en acceso total, había como que una especie de... Si la personalidad de Pachá va con la de Odalis Molina y va con Ay, el sí. formato del programa, que fue porque tú eres, tu, tu personaje es tan fuerte que, que demandas, que exiges la, toda la atención que llega a ti inmediatamente. Entonces, eh, eh, había como que ese, ese balance que la gente estaba tratando. ¿Tú sentiste en algún momento que, la, que, que, que los managers, que los directores de, de la estación en algún momento estaba diciendo, Pachá, tienes que adaptarte un poco más al formato en vez sí, de que el formato sí. se adapte a ti. ¿Cómo fue ese, no, ese reto? No, muy interesante eh, tu, tu cuestionario, Jack. 
porque en un momento dado eh, me exigieron que bajara el tono, que le buscara más a Udali, que fuera más presentador, porque yo, al igual que tú, nos salimos mucho del guión o del llamado telepronto. Y eso a veces es favorable, pero otras veces hay gente que no lo asimila o, o no lo entiende o no lo quiere hacer entender. Y eso me trajo con otro lugar ciertas diferencias. Pero al final, eh, los números, hicimos una, un bonito trabajo, yo diría en conjunto, y fue una bonita etapa. Eh, y el acceso total sigue ahí, ya hay otra etapa ya con dos chicas. Ahora háblame de la mega, porque ha estado ahí ya cuánto tiempo en las tardes. Cuatro años ya cumplí en este año. ¿Cuál ha sido el éxito de estar estos cuatro años en la mega? ¿Qué estás haciendo tú diferente a lo que has hecho en el comienzo de tu etapa en la radio que ha mantenido ese auge en, eh, de sintonía en las tardes? Yo pienso que le hablamos a la gente. Eh, aparte del atractivo de la música, de los temas de interés, del contenido, es que lo que no evoluciona muere. Y yo pienso que hemos ido evolucionando en función de que no hemos ido adaptando a los nuevos tiempos. Ahora hay que estar acorde con la tecnología. Mira ya como tú tienes tu propia emisora. Mira Ajá, básicamente. Sí, entonces eh, no hemos ido adaptando a los nuevos tiempos. Eh, le hablamos al, al nicaragüense, le hablamos al uruguayo, le hablamos al costarricense. El show es muy universal y compartir con Janeiro Matos es un, una personalidad de muchos años en la mega y que conoce la ciudad, eh, aparte de, de los personajes, lo que hemos aprendido en los años que hemos hecho el jangueo, el arañazo, el pachatazo, guardo en la mañana, eh, hemos hecho el, el palo de la tarde con Coco Cabrera y Cela García, eh, hemos ido aprendiendo de lo que le gusta a la gente y siempre estamos acorde con la actualidad. Cuando tú empiezas a, a ver el estado de la radio hoy en día. Te voy a decir la verdad, Pachá. Yo no tengo ninguna ¿Sí? clase de interés de escuchar la radio en español hoy en día. Me parece que esa, es, esa era de oro, esa etapa de oro que tuvimos en los años 2000, cuando tú estabas tú en tu apogeo, estaba Coco Cabrera en la mañana, estaba sí, Nasty sí, Boy sí, en sí. la tarde, estaba Jimmy, sí, Danny sí. Cruz, estaba Enrique Santos en algún momento llegó aquí a pisar el tierro sí, sí, sí. neoyorquino, estaba sí, sí. Luis Jiménez, estaba... No, Alex Sensation llegó este en, su, en su apogeo. O sea, que en cualquier hora... En cualquiera de las dos emisoras aquí eh, de 105.9 a la que es ahora, 96.3 y 97.9 y Amor 93.1, cada uno tenía su personalidad estrella del principio a final del día. ¿Qué ha pasado y por qué ese talento se ha ido disipando poco a poco hasta llegar a... Se siente muerto la radio hoy en día, eh, o sea, en su totalidad. Bueno, porque, porque vuelvo a reitero, Suena que suene repetitivo, pero es la realidad. Hay más medios. El celular, un Instagram, un Twitter, un Facebook. Aquí tú pones la radio. Yo digo yo que te mando a ver el Instagram. O sea, no se concentra en lo que es la radio. Hay más medios de comunicación. Existe un Pandora, existe el satélite, está el Internet. Tú lo que tienes que crear un foco de que la gente vaya donde ti, como nosotros creamos controversia, entrevistamos muchos artistas, estamos con la joda, nos mantenemos muy activos, los ratings se mantienen hasta por encima de las emisoras americanas, o sea, no es nada fácil, por ejemplo el hermano Luis, tú le escuchas y, 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 y el hermano Luis Jiménez sigue hablando de sexo, o sea tú puedes eh, eh, hablar de la parte íntima, 
pero tú tienes que evolucionar. Ya las parodias no tienen el mismo impacto que antes. O sea, tú tienes que adaptarte a los nuevos tiempos, si no te va a quedar fuera. Un programa grabado en una ciudad que está nevando, tú no estás actualizado, lo que tenemos que vender es la actualidad para que pueda crear el interés de la gente. ¿Tú, a, ¿A ti qué te parece el show de Luis Jiménez hoy en día, este, en su nueva versión, en su nueva actualidad? Yo no puedo escucharlo. Lo que lo he escuchado, que he grabado, que no está actualizado. Lo estaba escuchando el día pasado y estaba nevando y yo no escuchaba nada, como si fuera una comedia. Y es un joven muy talentoso y que rompió aquí. Eh, Luis tiene todo el talento. Ese muchacho hizo historia en la radio de Nueva York. Hay que quitarse el sombrero porque ya él está aprobado, pero eh, tiene que actualizarse. ¿Y qué clase de show exige Nueva York en la mañana ahora? Un show de actualidad. La, desde que tú te levantas, lo quieres saber que va para el trabajo, todo lo que está pasando en el tráfico, cómo anda la temperatura, qué te trae el día. Por el parte de la risa, del chiste, tú tienes que darle algo más a la gente. Que hay una situación por Donald Trump con los inmigrantes, que Diblacio eh, informa que viene un caso con relación a la mayor cantidad de personas que han sido arrestadas eh, este año por estar manejando sin licencia. O tú sea, como un noticiero, pero ligero, con humor. Ligerito, pero sin perder la esencia de una joda, de hacer reír a los demás. Pero tú no te puedes pasar la mañana entera hablando de sexo. Tú llevas a tus hijos a la escuela. Hay personas que no pueden ir radio en la mañana y colocan un CD porque escuchando la radio, pueda que se sorprendan con unas palabras obscenas. Tenemos que cuidar la formación. Aquí en Nueva York, a cada esquina hay una iglesia. Aquí cree que en Nueva York todo es droga, todo es marihuana, eso es falso. Ese Nueva York, cuando yo vine aquí, que me vendiera, yo decía, pero una cárcel, la gente a la iglesia. Aquí hay familia, aquí hay padres, aquí hay hogares. Oye, hablando de eso, decía, hablando de eso, Pacha, tú me has vendido a mí una personalidad que es, eh, diría... Eh, de, de, alt, de alto voltaje, ¿ok? Vamos a decirlo así. Tú eres una persona que honestamente eh, te conozco por un minuto y dices, hey, Jack, ¿cómo estás? Y en un segundo cambias. Y eres un huracán dentro del estudio. Y yo digo, oye, ¿cómo es que ese hombre se prende? Y después empiezas a hablar de religión y yo sé que mucha gente dice, oye, pero ¿cómo, ese puedes, cómo, cómo Pachá puede ser religioso? Si es tan de tanto alto voltaje, o sea, hay algo que como que no concuerda. ¿Cuál es tu, cu cuál es tu, 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 tu relación con la religión? ¿Tú eres muy religioso sí. o qué? Yo soy muy respetuoso. La religión es el afán del hombre por llegar a Cristo. Yo soy un milagro de Dios. Yo vengo de la pobreza más extrema. He conocido la palabra y realmente yo le invito a todo aquel que esté escuchando esta entrevista que pruebe y verás. Ahora mismo eh, lo más lógico y razonable es estar viviendo en la iglesia, pero la iglesia no salve, que salve el Cristo Jesús. Y realmente tiene un acercamiento a la palabra y, y, y puedo dar fe y testimonio de que realmente Cristo vive en mí. Tengo mis defectos, como todos, mis errores, mis virtudes, pero le invito a la gente que conozca a Cristo, que es la única verdad. ¿Y la, cuál es la opinión pública de ti? ¿Cuáles son las cosas que tú has escuchado a la gente? De pronto algunas críticas que tú has dicho, hey, eso no concuerda conmigo, estoy de desacuerdo. Ah, no, a mí me ven dando golpe de barriga, una tarima, y moviéndome. Y después me ven en la iglesia con los brazos para arriba, orando. Y la gente, y yo le digo, hey, tranquila, Dios no ve la apariencia, lo que ve el corazón, no me juzgue, no me contente. Y se ríe, y inmediatamente dice, pero este tierazo que vemos bailando y boceando, 
Mira sí. cómo está aquí, alabando a Cristo. Es un poco contraproducente. Exactamente, pero, como un poco contradictorio <risa> también. Sí, y, sí, sí, sí. y la cosa es que tú también, dentro de, de los últimos 10 a 15 años, tú te has metido en mucha controversia. Eh, y, y, y en esas controversias mucha gente dice, ok, uno, ¿esa controversia es genuina, auténtica, real? ¿Verdadera o es una controversia que tú creas para atraer la atención, para atraer a ratings, para atraer este, atención a Pachá? Eh, si tú supieras que muchas cosas surgen, otras se dan, otras se planifican, pero muchas veces, por ejemplo, caso Temo Rosario, eh, caso Romeo, hay cosas que, que fluyen dentro de lo que es la entrevista misma, la naturalidad, muchas veces uno no, no prepara cosas y... Y al paso de los años, la práctica hace la perfección. Y llega un momento que te hace tan natural que surgen las cosas y, y la gente lo ve creíble, porque no lo ve prefabricado ni lo ve actuado. Interesante. Oye, y una de las últimas cosas que te quería preguntar, Pachá, estos comerciales de Major World. ¡Major World! Ah. <ríe> Oye, en eh. verdad se han convertido en parte del emblema de la televisión este, latina aquí en Nueva York. Cuéntame, ¿cómo ¿Cómo llegaste tú a tener ese, eh, ese comercial? Y en tu bueno, opinión, ¿qué clase de personaje querías crear para esos comerciales? Porque se han convertido en memorables. O sea, yo me río. Yo me río completamente. Este, y, y, y yo quería saber si cuánto, cuánta creatividad le has puesto a eso o, o, o si los eh, ejecutivos te dijeron, mira, queremos esto. ¿Cómo, ¿Cómo llegaron esos comerciales a ser tuyos? Bueno, el americano, Andrew, eh, cuando me veía en Medellín y más, me señaló, cuando llegué a Univisión, comenzamos a tener una relación de, 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 de cariño, de afecto, y cuando llegué a Univisión le hice unos comerciales de radio, y él me dijo, yo quiero que tú hagas lo mismo con medio vuelo que tú hacías en Merengue y Más. Ah. Ella hacía Merengue y Más, que bailaba, que voceaba, que brincaba. Él ha querido hacerlo en el mercado anglosajón, americano, y no ha podido encontrar a la persona. No la ha encontrado. ¿Tú conoces a Crazy Eddie? Sí, sí. El que vendía los, este, que vendía la, 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 los televisiones, la radio, los refrigeradores y cosas así. Que sí, era un loco. Sí, sí. Era un loco, sí. Que lo, eh, eh, tomaba un bate, trayaba, <risa> rompía, sí, sí. sí. Pero um, él, él más o menos me quiso trasladar lo que yo hacía en Medellín y más a, a, a lo que son los comerciales medio bueno. Sí le hemos puesto cierta credibilidad. Ellos hacen un guión. Uno muchas veces se sale, eh, lo interpreta. Penélope le ha dado mucha fuerza a los comerciales, la destacada mexicana de, de 12 Corazones. Y ha funcionado ha llamado la atención y es el dealer más famoso ¿no? Yo, por cada un comercial que sale del medio World se le quede en la mente a personas que de otro dealer que sale 10 veces porque el atractivo sale de la pantalla pero ese personaje que tú creas en Major World ¿es en verdad quién eres tú fuera de las cámaras? ¿en casa con tu familia? ay no yo soy tranquilito tú lo ves como tú me agarraste caminando sí. y, y, y yo caí muerto <risa> Mira Pachá, ha sido un placer 25 minutos han pasado desde que estamos ya aquí hablando te, te quiero dar mucho afecto y mucho cariño eh, sabes que te quiero muchísimo te admiro, te respeto como profesional eres una, una entidad única, especial eh, y yo creo que Nueva York debería estar 
Eh, muy agradecido de tener una personalidad como tú aquí en esta ciudad que en verdad lo necesita honestamente. Uh, entonces, gracias por estar en el podcast y gracias por tu amistad, Pachá. Bueno, yo quiero felicitarte. Desde el primer momento me acogiste con mucho cariño, respeto. Este, esta industria cada día se pone más difícil. Hay que pedirle a Dios eh, que nos dé trabajo, seguir hacia adelante, eh, luchar por nuestro objetivo en la vida. Nada es fácil. Es muy bonito decirlo en palabras, pero cuando esa renta llega, esos biles, esos gastos, por ejemplo, nosotros viajamos todos los fines de semana durante cinco años a la República Dominicana todos los viernes, sábado en la mañana para hacer un show de televisión en color visión en República Dominicana y que se ven todos los Estados Unidos en televisión dominicana. Hay una nueva modalidad por todos Ajá. los cables de ir a Latinoamérica y verse en Estados Unidos. Eh, pasa con Daniel Sarco, que eh, lo hacen eh, otros presentadores en México. Por ejemplo, eh, un mexicano llega a su casa y pone a Teca. Un puertorriqueño llega a su casa y pone guapa. Un dominicano llega a su casa y pone televisión dominicana. Los, los cables han facilitado a tu, estar más de cerca a tus raíces por Latinoamérica. Y estamos aprovechando esa coyuntura. Hay un cariño especial, se te admira ya, te ha ido superando. No eres el mismo que vimos en Univisión, eh, en el meteorólogo. He cambiado, he cambiado. Eres un, entre, eres un entretenedor y se ha convertido en el buque insignia del cine latino <risa> y americano. Felicidades ya. Gracias, Pachá. Oye, y una última cosita, papá. ¡Nos vemos! ¡En ¡Ah! cine! <risa> It's time for Jack Did. Let's begin with the top movie news of the week. Tom Cruise says Top Gun 2 will be filming next year. Alejandro González Iñárritu is filming a virtual reality project that tells the story of Latin American immigrants who are attempting to cross into the United States. Argentinian director Andrés Muschietti is in talks to direct Justice League Dark. Puerto Rican Oscar nominee José Rivera is writing a screenplay about César Milán. Eva Longoria is joining the film remake of Goldie Hawn's Overboard. Due to a tweet, Netflix is working on getting a Rihanna and Lupita Nyong'o project together. Elizabeth Banks's Charlie's Angels will see a reboot June 7, 2019, and James Bond's Roger Moore has passed away at age 89. Changing over to TV, the diverse Netflix musical drama The Get Down, which cost $120 million to produce, has officially been canceled. Stephen Colbert becomes the number one late night show in America. MSNBC's Rachel Maddow now has the number one new show in cable news. Megan Kelly's new show Sunday Night with Megan Kelly will debut June 4th at 7 p.m. And former owner of Univision, Jerry Perenchio, has passed away at age 86. Switching over to music. Shakira released her new album El Dorado this week with her single Me Namore debuting at 100 on the Billboard Hot 100. Guns N' Roses extend their 2017 North American tour. Juanes collects his fifth number one Billboard album for Mis Planes Son Marte. Ice Cube prepares new music. And NBC's The Voice finale this weekend featured top 10 artist Mark Isaiah performing Despacito with Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee Live. Have a quick listen. And in digital and social media news, Selena Gomez premiered her new vertical music video, Bat Liar, exclusively on Spotify. 
Instagram finally adds link sharing to direct messages. And Snapchat is pushing to reinvent TV for mobile millennials with original Snapchat shows. Okay, guys, ahora si van para Manhattan, 25 minutos, Lincoln, Holland, George Washington Bridge. If you've turned on Spanish language radio in New York in the last 20 years, you've heard the seductive and alluring voice of Carolina Cadillo Skywalker in El Basilón de la Mañana and on the Luis Jimenez Show. Carolina and I hunkered down in a revealing interview about the ups and downs of her career in radio. Hey, Carolina Cadillo. Hey, Jack Rico. ¿Cómo estás? <laughs> the greatest radio voice I've ever heard. How Aww. are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm honored to be on your podcast. Let's begin with how you got into the business. When okay. was the first time that you discovered wow. that radio was your destiny? Well, let me let me start back way back. Um, I knew I wanted to be um, actually a lawyer or a journalist, I think, when I was already five years old. I think since... Five? Uh, since, yes, I already knew what I wanted to do. ¿Y quién te so, metió esa cosa de la, en la cabeza de ser...? Yo creo, yo creo, era mi madre, mi madre. Eh, siempre me decía, yo creo tener una hija periodista. <laughs> so that was in my head already. That was in my head. Uh -huh. So um, I started doing a lot of um, working for little newspapers in my school, Uh, you know, writing editorials. Now, was this here in New York? Was it yeah, in... Yeah, okay. in New Jersey. Well, I was born and raised in New Jersey, Newark, New Jersey. Woohoo! Um, so um, I worked for a lot of cable stations in high school. Um, wow, so you've and, been in this business yeah. for a long time, Oh, Carolina. God. And the newspaper in high school, I was, I was helping out. I was writing. I was reporting. Yeah, I mean, I've done it all. That's why when people ask me um, what I should be doing to start my career, I said, guys... Start interning everywhere because that's what I did. I just went interning. You know, when I was I was ten years old. I was reading for my newspaper already, so I was doing all that. But I also um I also had um uh, ideas or uh, I really wanted to be a lawyer. So um, it was one or the other. I just knew it was one or the other. So how did you get your big break? What oh, what would my... you what would you consider was your big break? Okay, so um, shadow traffic. I was there. I was actually. Um, uh, just uh, I was an intern, and then I started doing traffic for. for uh, remember Radio Wado? So I started. Uh, they asked me, "You know how to speak Spanish?" Just like you, my Spanish was broken, but I started doing it. So, um, but then after that, after I think after a couple of months, I think actually like six months later, um, I remember Danny Ortiz was the program director. Radio Wado. Yes, yes. He said to me, uh, "He goes, I really want to do. I don't want to do this." But I have to uh, let you go. I'm like, what happened? I thought you said, said I, thought, I thought you were going to say, I really want to do you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He was like a father figure to me. <laughs> That's what no, it sounded no. like you were going to say. Like, Wait a minute. Hold on a second. No. It's not that type of show. <laughs> no, it's not. But anyway, he said because my Spanish was, I spoke Spanglish and Back then, no one was doing that. I was doing that. So that's why he had to let me go. My Spanish wasn't that great. I went home and cried all day. What? Were people complaining? Um, no, the sponsors were. The sponsors. Get out of here. Yeah. So Danny Ortiz felt really, really bad. He was oh like, I'm so God. sorry. He's like, I like your Spanish. You sound amazing. But that was that. So I stayed with Shadow Traffic, you know, feel, you know, doing the news and traffic for BLS, Kiss FM. Um, and then... Joe Nolan, who you both and I both know, uh -huh. um, he left Shadow Traffic to start Metro Traffic um, with David Saperstein, the owner of uh, Metro Traffic. So, um, yeah, so so uh, Joe calls me one day. He goes, there's a new radio station 
in Spanish. I thought of you immediately. Can you do a demo tape? So I did a demo tape and Mega back then was called FM 98. So I, did I didn't a, know that. Wow. Yes, cool. It was, okay. Yeah, because it was going to be a new station and they needed a girl who did traffic. So I sent in my demo. Um, it was uh, 300 girls auditioned. And I said, you know, I'm not getting it. My Spanish is not that great. I mean, it's okay. So then a week later, Joe Nolan, my best friend, Eileen Marchese Cohen calls me, who was on, on the fan back then. Uh-huh. Um, they both call me and say, hey, guess what? You got the job. I'm like, no way. So who approved so, it? Saperstein? No. Who approved it was uh, Raul Alarcón Sr., the wow. owner. Yeah. The okay. owner of Spanish Broadcasting System. Wow. Anyway, yeah. So I called. I actually had to go visit Raul when uh, the studios here in New City. So I went to see him. He says, um, he goes, I know your Spanish is not that great. I'm going to help you. But he said, uh, the reason I picked you out of all those women that spoke perfect Spanish is because of your accent. I love your accent. Don't lose it. I like the Spanglish. Keep that. I'm like, oh, my God, you know that? So anyway, I started doing traffic. I, was, I wasn't even nervous, okay? I started doing for AM and then FM. And then after every report, I remember Raul Alarcón's father would call me. He goes, I like that. But next time, use the word congestionado. Use the word tapones. So he was like, yeah. your, like your mentor, like your teacher? Like- exactly. Oh, I mean, here's, that's here's insane. Real, that's, like, yeah. that's like Barack Obama telling like a local politician how to do their job. Exactly. Exactly. So that went on and on and on. And, you know, that's how I became, um, you know, Carolina Cadillo Skywalker because Raul Aracón also wanted me to start flying in a helicopter. So he said, from now on, since you're up in the chopper, your name is Carolina Cadillo Skywalker. He gave me that name. So he gave you the Skywalker last name? Yes, yes. And you know what's funny? What does Skywalker have to do with helicopters? Because he goes, you're amongst the stars, just like Luke Skywalker. (laughs) I don't don't get get it, but you know. Okay. <laughs> so that's where the last name, because I always exactly. said, well, it sounds like a yeah. really cool name, but yeah. what yeah. does she have to do with Star Wars? And yeah. that's the part that I, okay, so yeah. a couple of things I wanted to ask you. That was one of them. But the other thing was, I want to talk about your voice. Do you remember the first time that somebody said, my God, Carolina, you have a beautiful sounding voice? Yeah. I, you know what? I, I think a couple years after I started um, at Mega, I started hearing people saying that. I like, I like your accent. I love your sexy voice. Everyone thought I was this tall, blonde-haired woman. And when they I meet me, they're like, and when they meet me, like, I'm this little, little Spanish girl, five foot two. And they're like, we thought you were Americana. I'm like, no, I was born and raised here in New Jersey. I just have the accent because in my in my home, my dad spoke to us in English, and my mom in Spanish. You know, she made it a point to always talk to us in Spanish, but I went to school in Boston. I went to school in Jersey amongst a lot of, you know, all the white kids. So I never really spoke Spanish unless I was with my mom. Because that's the thing. That's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about after your voice was your Spanish, right? So Mm -hmm, you have mm -hmm. like this, this unique sounding voice, which is offbeat, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. and, And so I think a lot of people... And this is just my point of view, but I think that yeah, a lot yeah. of listeners around the time were like, you know what? I also speak like Carolina. I have trouble speaking in Spanish perfectly because I grew up in the United States. Yeah. And you were like a representative or a symbol of a particular generation of youth, of Hispanic youth. Exactly. That yeah. didn't speak Spanish properly and that spoke more more Spanglish. And then that... It- 
sounding with this crystal clear uh, sex. Because that's the thing to me. It's a sexy voice that you, Thank you. almost wanted to make love to over oh, the damn. radio. Damn, Jack, really? <laughs> what was the feedback from listeners? Were they uh, upset know, at how you spoke Spanish? You know what? At the beginning, I had a lot of people criticizing me. Um, but I had a lot of young people writing me. A lot of men. Can I tell you, see, a lot of men sent me flowers, sent me emails. A lot of a lot of guys from jail would listen to me and Get say, yeah, yeah. I had a lot of jail letters. Like, Carolina. And I can't really say, because it's just, this is your show, what they wanted to do to me. You know, I'm like, oh, my God. But it was funny, though. You know, I had a lot of fan, fan letters. And then so Raul Aracón saw this. He goes, man, you're really popular. You know that? Let's let's build on that. So that's how he started having me, you know, double shifts, you know, having me go here, having me go there. And a lot of people, like you said, a lot of people related to me. But then you had the older generation that critiqued me because they thought I was doing it on purpose. I didn't want to speak Spanish. But you know what, Jack? Uh, I'm a proud Latina. I'm proud to be Spanish. And I tried really hard. And the guys were like, you know, no, this is the word. I, I would say it on the air. I'm like, you know what, guys? Uh, I forgot this word. How do you say it in Spanish? You know that? So, but let me tell you that and today, a lot, I, I don't know, Jack, if you've noticed this, everywhere you go, it's always Spanglish now. On the Spanish yeah. stations, it's Spanglish. You I know, agree. and then and every back then everyone was telling me take Spanish lessons, take Spanish lessons, which I did take Spanish lessons, okay? But uh, and then and then Raul Arcon uh, Junior said, "Don't change your ways. Keep this. Keep doing what you're doing." You know, so I, you know, it's it's me. Así hablo yo. Yo hablo con una mezcla de inglés y español. That's how I talk. And everywhere I go now, I'll hear you'll hear on KTU, Mega, Amor. Everywhere I turn to, it's a Spanglish. Even the DJs, it's all Spanglish. It's all Spanglish. I I, I remember that time because yeah. I was in the competing station, and I, and mm -hmm. at some point I ended up competing with you at the same mm -hmm. time shift with yeah. Nasty Boy and everything else. And, yes, yes. And I also had problems. This is what I'm saying. It's not that we we're trying to imitate you is just that the the age the era that we were living in was yeah. this new generation of hispanic youths that that exactly. that, that, did, that spoke this broken spanish so i started yeah. speaking in spanish and in english at the same time because mm -hmm. it just came out organically um and then that i, I think that that, that was like the, the 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 sound of a particular era in the mid to late 90s yeah exactly when was the last time or the first time that you knew that you were no longer just a traffic reporter, but you were becoming a radio celebrity. Well, you know what? I, I don't think I did it on purpose. I just, um, I would hear like the morning show at Mega because I was in another studio. I was at the Fortunoff building on Fifth Avenue mm -hmm. and they would, they would patch me in and I would just, uh, I would, they would hear me commenting in the background. I mean, no one else could hear me. I mean, people that were on the radio couldn't hear me. But the guys in the studio would hear me laughing, commenting, and they're like, wow, she sounds really good. So then they start opening my mic up the whole time. And then at one point, they, they told my boss at Metro, um, we want Carolina full time. Wow, so I actually, okay. yeah, so I actually started going to Mega and I was part of the, I was part of the morning show from there. Was and there any was, jealousies? Was there any envious people that didn't want you at Mega because um, of, of the shine it, and glow and light that was being uh, put upon but, you around that time? But, but Jack, you know this business. You're always going to have people. It's a lot of jealousy. Haters. Yeah, a lot of haters. You know that. It, with, it's sad because within within your peers, you, you get people that are envious. You know, and I'm not the I'm not the jealous type. If I can help you, if I can help you do something, I'll help you. 
Um, but I saw a lot of women. I'm not, I'm not going to say a lot of women, okay? There were a couple of women that are like, you know, oh, why is she coming along now? But you know what? I just put that aside. I just did my thing. You know, okay, this is me. I'm on a show. Let me do the best I can so I can move on. So that's when, yeah. One of the criticisms I've always heard from you, not from you, but about you, uh, Mm -hmm. from people, uh, Mm -hmm. was that people didn't necessarily like your laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They thought I was like, that's a fake laugh, you know? How did you, did you ever feel like you, out of peer pressure, you needed to change your laugh? Or you said, look, this is how I laugh. There's nothing I can do about it. never, never. This is the way I laugh. You know, can I tell you something? I get tons of emails every day, and I really appreciate the emails I get um, from listeners like, we miss your laugh. When are you coming back to the radio? All right, look at that. I I get a lot, a lot, but people don't know I'm at ESPN on the weekends. And, um, you know, if you guys want to hear me, I'm at ESPN, plus I have a podcast, just like Jack. But uh, yeah, I get a lot, a lot of emails, people asking me, you know what, Um, we hear, you know, your voice, I mean, your laugh is what made us laugh. It's missing. So I really appreciate that. So I try to answer as many people as I can. It's it's not easy all the time, but um, no, it's never made me feel, you know, like I had to change it. Never. Because it was. You were never self-conscious about it. No, never, never, never. I, look, it's contagious. To me, your laugh is contagious. Like I'll every time you, you laugh, yeah. I, I like, I have to laugh. <laughs> but let me tell you something. I think, I think laughter in, in of a morning show is super, super important. Extremely. Like I'll give an example. I'll give an example. I, I love listening to Elvis Duran in the morning um, because he's and, and because I love Elvis, but I also know the girls, Danielle. She, mm-hmm. I love her laugh. I love her laugh, and it makes me laugh too. So it's right. contagious. It is I contagious. Exactly, exactly. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back on the Highly Relevant Podcast. Now I'm not a writer. Okay. Before we continue with our interview with Carolina Cadillo, here's three songs you might want to listen to this week. Nada, Shakira. There for you, Martin Garrix and Troy Sivan. Tiernos, Technicolor Fabrics. Let's let's head down the Luis Jimenez road because it was such a big part of your career, um, yeah. and it's it kind of cemented you in New York as uh, I, I like to say radio royalty is what mm-hmm. you are to me. Tell me the story of when you first met Luis Jimenez and what was that moment like? And did you know that you were going to have this long career with him? You know what? I, I met Luis. Uh, let me see. It was one of the morning shows. Remember Junior Hernandez? With Junior, I also knew that Hot 97 wanted him um, because he had spoke to me. This is before Luis came. He says, Carolina, um, Hot 97 reached out to me. They really want me to come over there. He goes, but I have, he goes, I can't speak English. He goes, and I said, yeah. I said, but Junior, they're calling you for a reason. You should go. He goes, yeah, but if I go, you go too. 
it'll be a good mix. Me, Spanish, you, English. I go, cool, you know? But So what yeah. happened? But sadly, he died like a couple weeks later. Oh, so this was, oh, wow. Yeah, okay. yes. And so then so then you ended up meeting Luis. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I met Luis. Luis was from Florida. And they introduced me to him. I said, hey, it's Carolina. He's like, I'm Luis. I'm going to be the new morning guy. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So, and that's how that started. It was no, like, you know, Luis was a skinny little thing. And, you know, we just... We just started like that. And let me tell you, Luis is a genius. Luis had so many great ideas. Um, and you know what? Luis and I, um, everyone always refers to us as the Howard Stern and Robin Quivers, you know, yeah. of, of Spanish radio. Because, right. I mean, because Luis will be saying something and I'll- You finish I, his sentences. Exactly, and vice versa. And sometimes I, I, he'll say stuff. I crack up laughing because it is so friggin' funny. You know that, and maybe nobody else will think it's funny, but I know, I know, Luis is always funny to me. So, and, and he says, "Do me a favor, keep your laughter." He goes, "That keeps me going." I said, oh, "I said because you're funny." I said, "So, and that's how we became really good friends." You know, and he came to my and Luis says, "Let me tell you something, Jack." Luis Jimenez does not go to weddings. He said, "When I got married to my husband Jeff, he says you're lucky." He says, "Cause you're the you should be you should be honored." I said, "Why?" He goes, "Cause you're the only wedding." I've ever gone to my entire life. I said, okay. <laughs> but it well, was for those yeah. of you who don't know, Luis Jimenez is, is, is notorious yeah. for being very private. Oh, he, he doesn't do, yeah. you know, uh, public events no, no. he doesn't show up to anywhere no, exactly. <laughs> i invited him to my 40th birthday yeah. he didn't go to my 40th no. birthday oh, no, forget but it. i knew that was him yeah. so but i i might as well have yeah. you know i've hung out with him at his house yeah. you know we've had very private uh yeah. discussions yeah. on the industry and whatever but um did you know that uh, was it like chemistry just sparked right away or did it take a while for you and him to get into a groove i think i think it took a little bit of time but i think that instantly we both knew that there was something there i mean i felt it i just thought that wow this guy is super funny i've never met anyone like that you know uh, and i think from there it just kept growing and growing and growing you know what was it like to be you and luis jimenez during that era of the late 90s mid 2000s because oh i felt like that was like the golden age yeah of right i know right i i was proud and i'll tell you something it was it was, I, I, I think I was like, you know, I have the best radio job in the world. And it, I remember one day, Luis and I, and, and who was it? I think it was Epi Colon and um, uh, Louis Vega. Remember Louis Vega? Yeah, so we were, we're all on the radio. And then all of a sudden, um, Howard Stern's guy, I forgot his name. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. Stuttering John came over. Uh -huh, and he uh -huh. came over and he says, uh, Howard Stern was across the street. He goes, uh, Luis, Carolina, guys. Howard wants you guys to come over. So, so we all. <laughs> I heard about this story oh, so many times. Oh I, I was so, never a part of it. Yeah, I didn't know, it, but I yeah, heard it like in retrospect. Yeah. So we all went across the street, and then Howard says, uh, "Luis, Carolina, I want to meet my my who my who my competitors are, and I also want to meet the Spanish Howard Stern and Spanish Robin Quivers." And then, we're well, like, let's put some yeah. context into that. Yeah, is because yeah. Luis Jimenez became the number one morning show in FM, oh, yeah. beating Howard Stern. We beat everyone. We beat everyone. You were the yeah. most listened yeah. to morning show in New York City at that moment. Yeah, I know. I, you know what? You're saying it. Wow, you're right, though. Yeah. So people were listening to us. I mean, did you know, did you, did you feel the, le what, what being a number one morning show was like around that time? Yeah, I did. did. you, were you, were you a celebrity? Was it that you couldn't walk out? Were you, 
What was that like? Uh, I mean, Describe I, us that moment. I mean, I did have stalkers. So at one point, I did have security with me. But let me tell you something. Everywhere we Jeez. went, I mean, it was an amazing, it was amazing, amazing, amazing. Luis and I couldn't walk out of the studio. People were there to you know, autographs. We were getting, you know, a massive amount of phone calls. We did a lot of appearances. Madison Square Garden, people would go crazy. Um, but, you know, those were good times, man. Really, really good times. So what happened, Carolina? When when did it all start ending? When did it all start kind of just dissipating little by little? And, and and do you remember the moment where you just felt like, okay, this is we've reached the plateau, but now there's change in the air? Um, you know, um, I guess in my part, I guess Luis too. I can't speak for him, you know that, or maybe I can, you know. But I think that um, I think at a point. You say that, okay, I need to move on to do other things. I actually never felt like that. I mean, I always wanted to stay with Luis and do other things on his side, you know. But um, but I think I think for him, too, I think he just wanted to make a change, you know, and and uh, move on to other things, you know. He's got his wife by his side now. Um, but, you know, um, I think with anything, life is about changes. And I think that's exactly what happens. I mean... I mean, I, I mean, I didn't want it to happen like that. Um, I was sad when he decided to just just to move on with the Lease Network. I was really sad. I, right, but but yeah. that, but that that happened recently. There was a moment where I remember listening to you on La Mega, and mm-hmm. then he went over to Univision, and you did not go with him. Well, why was that? The reason I uh, everyone's always asking me. Everyone's always thought I betrayed him. I was a traitor. I remember when that happened. Um, Luis left. Um, no one knew what was happening. The guys I worked with um, all signed deals with Mega, and I had done nothing. I remember I was home. That was actually the 24th of December, and Luis had taken off two weeks before. No one knew what was going on. And then I remember Polito Vega calls me on the 24th of December. All the guys had flown out and signed contracts with uh, Raul Alarcón to stay at Mega. Luis had left for Univision. So I'm home with pneumonia on the 24th of December, Then Polito Vega calls me and said, listen, we really want you um, to be with us, you know, uh, please sign a contract. So I said, I spoke to Jeff about it. And I also spoke to um, one of the after after lawyers. And then Jeff even said, listen, you owe Luis Jimenez respect. You're his sidekick. Make sure you talk to him first before you make any decision, which was what I was going to do anyway. So um, like I said, Polito, I can't do anything right now. I have to speak to Luis and see what's going on. And Jack, remember also... I was not employed by Mega. I was an employee of Metro Traffic at the time. Everyone, mm-hmm. everyone always thinks I was employed by Mega. I was never employed by Mega. It's always Metro Traffic. They paid my salary, and I was getting paid a lot of money then, a lot of money. And um, and I had my 401k. I mean, a lot of benefits with, for, with, with Metro. So that I called Luis. Um, he couldn't offer me the same amounts that I was being offered at Metro. Okay. Because, was it because he was paying people out of pocket? Um, no, no, not me. But the other guys, I don't know. I don't know what their contracts were. I don't know. I can't speak for them. But with me, I was always getting paid, getting paid by Metro. So when it, when he left for Univision, he said, I want you to come with me. And um, he, he told me the certain amount I'd be getting. And I think, Jack, I don't know if you put yourself in my shoes. If you're getting a big amount of money for one company, and then maybe a third of that 
Yeah, you, you know, couldn't yeah, sacrifice yeah, your yeah. lifestyle exactly, and, the, exactly. and the comfortability that yeah. that, that salary had exactly, given you exactly, to then yeah. downgrade yeah. to a lesser salary. Yeah. And so, so, so I talked to Luis. I said, Luis, and I called him up. I said, Luis, out of respect, I'm calling you back. I said, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go with the guys to Florida. I didn't take a private because Raul Arco and sent a private plane to the guys. To fly to Florida. Yeah, I heard the yeah. story. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah, yeah. So and then and then I got a call too from the guys that same day they flew out. And Jeff says, You're not going anywhere. That's very disrespectful to Louise. I said, you know what? I never had any intention of going anywhere with, with until Louise found out what was going on. So I said, No, you guys go. I said, I can't go. So and that's when I told you um a couple of days later that uh, uh Bonito Vega called me um and said, you know, we're offering you this. I'm like, okay, let me talk to Louise. Anyway, so uh, I talked to Luis and Luis, uh, it was sad because we both were like, I wanted to go. I really wanted to go. But Univision at the time couldn't give me what I already had, you know? So when, because uh, that was around 2008, mm -hmm. which is the time that I had left Univision 41. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted to go out on my own. And I had called Alma. Mm -hmm. I just left her a voicemail and I said, hey, listen, I have this idea of doing movie reviews in Spanish on radio. It's never been done. Mm -hmm. I just got a voicemail back and saying, you start January 13th. Or wow, like really? Great. And they called me that day. Mm -hmm. That's how it happened. It was no agreement, no lawyers. I actually never even spoke to Luis. The first time I had spoken to Luis was on air. Wow, really? Wow. So so it's a relationship out of handshakes. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I really... I, you don't see that type of business no. dealings anymore. No, that's Th those were like... Old yeah. school, you know, Italian, exactly. New York, Brooklyn type of like handshakes. And, exactly. And, and, and that's when a couple of years later, you then came back into the fold. So what happened to get you back into the show? So anyway, so um, going back to that, um, when Luis and I spoke last, I, he said, you know, Carolina, um, maybe he says, we'll definitely be back together again someday. But he said, I respect your decision because he goes, I would do the same thing. You know, that you, you need, this is a certain amount you're making. I can't offer that. You know, I'm give, being offered my own money. So uh, it's sad. He goes, but you know what, do your thing. And then, but we'll see each other again. So, but then after that, what annoyed me is that people thought that I betrayed Louise, which never happened. You know, that just people. Gossip, yeah, rumor, oh God, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. Haters oh, sort I, of I, propagating I lies. Yeah, exactly. I got a lot of haters. I got a lot of haters. So I'm like, I said, guys, and I try to explain, I said, guys, this is not a, not, not about me leaving Luis. You think I wanted to leave him? I couldn't. And I think anybody in my shoes would have done the same thing, you know? So anyway, um, so Luis started doing his thing. I think he had Faye and then Reina on with him um, for those That's couple right. Yeah, for those couple of years. And then And they didn't work out. Exactly. They just weren't a right fit. Exactly. They weren't they weren't Carolina Cadillac. Well, I don't know. I I I I honestly really can't say I heard him too much because I was doing my own thing back at Mega. Um, so anyway, um, but I heard Faye and Reina were really good. And, you know, I, I admire Reina because, you know, she went to the afternoon show eventually. I think she was amazing. Really, really good, you know? Anyway, so, um, I stayed, uh, back at Mega. And then a couple of months later, they decide they don't want traffic anymore, you know? So I got, I got, I got let go from Mega and I stayed at Metro for another year. Um, and then after that, um, I forgot, let me see, let me see what happens after that. Uh, then was Luis, Luis is still Univision, right? Yeah. Yeah. Luis is still Univision. And then Luis finds out, he finds out that I'm available. Um, so oh. yeah, he found out I'm available. 
So unfortunately for Reina, they let her go. And then Luis and Alma both called me. We want you back. And that's how that happens. How did podcasting come into your life and what made you pull the trigger to actually start it? Well, was it wanting to replace that that morning show that people were missing so much in their lives? Um, you know, no. You know what happened? Um, you know, you know, Luis would always have my husband, Jeff, on. You know, Jeff speaks zero Spanish, a little bit. And so <laughs> He's they, funny though, they would yeah. call him a lot and teach him some bad words, which Jeff didn't know were bad. They're like, you know, well, let's call Jeff Jensen, Garunda's husband, and let's teach him some bad words, okay? So that's how, and you know, can I tell you something? People started liking Jeff. People started, yeah, uh, people started loving my husband. Like, because he's real. Exactly. He's real. And then everywhere I went, where's Jeff? Where's Jeff? Does Jeff really exist? And everyone thought it was just a character Luis had invented. So I'm like, no, Jeff really is my husband, you know? So Jeff became really popular without no one ever meeting him. So then, um, and then Webin, Webin um, was really never used by Luis. Webin off the air is hilarious. He really, really is funny. And he is, he's also opened up for Fluffy Carolines. So then, so everyone's always telling me what I was with Luis. You, should, you know, you should do a podcast. Podcasts are up and coming. Start doing a podcast. So the listeners were the one, the ones that suggested that you should do a podcast. Exactly. So I, so I said, I said, Jeff, um, and Webby, let's do a podcast. So that's how that was born. And and I remember it's two years ago we started doing the podcast, and ever since then it's been growing and growing. I mean, we've been on NBC, interviewed by NBC, um, we've Linda Bacero, yeah, exactly, and we've had a lot of newspapers written about us. Um, and you know what, Jack? We're up to almost ninety thousand listeners. We're on all forums now. iHeartRadio, Radio, Her iTunes. episode? Uh, well, no, it's it's weekly. Weekly, ninety thousand listeners listen. This is the last. Wait, so you're not doing yeah. it daily now? No, anymore. no. Unfortunately, we can't. And it's it's sad. For what me. happened? It's sad. Well, you know, my Jeff is um, at News Twelve TV, and he's also anchoring now at Ten Ten Wins. So and then Webin, you know, Webin's with Luis Network, and he's doing his own show. I'm also doing social media for a few companies, so it's hard getting the three of us together. But we try to at least record now twice a week because we love the podcast and we have so many followers that say, "Please don't give it up." So we don't want to give it up either, you know. So it's at least up once or twice a week now. Let, let me ask you this question. It's uh, one of the last questions I'm going to ask okay. you. But I always thought that because you spoke English so well and it was your primary language, that you were like, it, it, it was just a matter of time before you landed at Z100, KTU, and that you were going to cross over into the English language market. Why didn't you ever cross over? You know what? There was a point that I think um, one of the American stations had um, called me I spoke to Luis about it. Luis goes, stay here. Stay here with me. People know you here. And that's the reason why I never did. You know, I really never did. So the idea of exploring new opportunities never felt comfortable with you? Uh, you know, it's funny. Because there's a yeah. larger audience in English. I mean, you had to... There's a theory that says that if you stay in Spanish, you're never really... Uh, you're never ambitious enough to really fulfill your true potential. That's true. That's true. I heard that. Yeah. And then there's another theory that says, well, it's better the devil, you know, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is Spanish language market. Well, they know me here, but that's also very safe and very comfortable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, was there a fear of failing, I guess, in the English language market because you did it, that market didn't know you as well as the Hispanic? A little bit, a little bit, but um, I'll tell you something in the past couple of months that I've been off. Well, I'm not really off radio. I'm an ESPN. 
But in the last couple of months, um, I've been getting some phone calls of some possibilities for English radio. And that's, I can, I'm going to leave it at that, okay? So okay. Uh, yeah, I'm exploring that right now. So we'll see what happens. We'll definitely see what happens. Well, listen, Carolina, this was a great conversation. I, I've been wanting to have this conversation because there was like these little holes that I always had. I always <laughs> wanted to ask you. I was like, wait a minute, but how did that connect here? What was the bridge to that? Um, well, I, feel- I think you've had an incredible career. I've been a witness to you from almost the very beginning. Thank you. Um, you've been an inspiration for me personally in my career uh, in traffic and that led me all the way to where I am today. And a lot of that has been because of you. You really paved the way to making traffic reporters a very likable uh, source of talent. Thank you. Uh, and I think everybody, every woman that ever did traffic, and that's because of you. So thank you very much for everything you've done for our industry and for us. Jack, real quick, uh, this last week, you know Jackie Guerrido, who was the anchor Univision, she's in Miami. Of course, so, of uh, course, Jackie, I remember her. Jackie was interviewed last week by Luis Jimenez, and then Luis asked her how she started. And she said, well, I'm in this career Thankfully, because I started as a traffic reporter, she goes, and she goes, Carolina Cadillo was my was was my mentor. I love listening to her, and you know, for me to hear that, I was like, oh my god! And I I called her right away. I said, thank you so much for saying that. She goes, I don't think I've ever told you that. She says, but you know, you were amazing. You still are. And Jack, I just want to say one more thing. I'm proud of you because wow, you've come a long way. I, I, I'm, I every time I see NBC Today show, you're there. I'm like, that's my friend Jack. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Carolina, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, you can listen to Carolina Cadillo on the Carolina Cadillo podcast. It's now you're with the Revolver Podcast mm-hmm. Network, which I'm also uh, proud to be a part Felicidades, of it as well. Yes. Uh, and uh, you can catch Carolina also on ESPN 1050 Radio mm-hmm. uh, here in New York City. You can catch it online as well. Um, are you? How are you with social media? Do you interact with the with the listeners? Oh yes, a lot, or? I, I try to as much as I can. But Jack, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not kidding you when I say to you, I get over maybe a couple of hundred texts every single day private inboxes, which I really, really try to answer. But I'm all over Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Carolina Cadillo. Um, email me, carolinacadillo at gmail.com. Um, and I promise, I promise, I try to respond to everyone as soon as possible. All right, Carolina, take it easy. And thanks a lot for being on the Highly Relevant Podcast with me. It is a dream interview. I've been wanting, this has been on my bucket list for oh a long God, time. Oh my God, I love you, Jack. Thank you so much. And I'm uh, proud I of love you. you too. I love so, you too. So you. thank you. Thank you again. All right, Carolina. Thank bye. You, bye. In the fifth and what might be the final chapter of the Jack Sparrow saga, Johnny Depp revives his alter ego in Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales. I have heard stories of a mighty Spanish captain who was hunted and killed thousands of men. No, 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 men, no, 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 pirates. Hunted by Javier Bardem's villainous Spaniard, Captain Salazar, Jack Sparrow embarks on a search for the mythical trident of Poseidon, a magical device which can control the world seas to whomever holds it. There's nowhere to hide. Find Sparrow for me. To my surprise, this fifth chapter managed to achieve a fitting goodbye if this were to be its final farewell. It plays as a good send-off to the characters and to the fans. As usual, it delivers once again a visual spectacle filled with fast-paced action sequences, CGI goons and ghosts, and Chaplin-esque slapstick, all wrapped up in a respectable 3D experience. 
Regrettably, the Pirates franchise is at its wit's end. Its ideas are too familiar, the characters feel generic and safe, and Depp, unfortunately, never fulfilled Sparrow's full potential. In order for the saga to continue, Disney will have to reimagine and usher Pirates to a new generation of moviegoers in 2017 and onward. Otherwise, this odyssey will eventually sink to the bottom of the sea. The men on that ship are looking for Jack, so I'm going to swim for it. Karina, stop that. No, 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 don't stop that. This has gone far enough. No, it has not. I saw her ankles. You'd have seen a lot more if you kept your cake holes shut. And that's a wrap for a 33rd episode of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank El Pacha and Carolina Cadillo for coming on the show, and I want to thank you guys, as always, for listening. If you want to get a shout out from us, tweet me at Jack Rico Official. That's Jack Rico Official. Also, you can now hear us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Stitcher for you Android users. Also, please subscribe and share with your friends. See you again next Friday on another episode of Highly can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing inspections negotiating analyzing the market and talking through any anxieties that may pop up that can make all the difference that's what the expertise of a realtor can do for you realtors are members of the national association of realtors and bound by a code of ethics because that's who we are Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.